We're told the image of the blind minstrel has its origins deep in antiquity. According to tradition, it was the sightless Homer who carried the legends of the great Greek heroes from city to city, accompanying himself on his lyre as he sang of their exploits. In Spanish art and literature, the figure of the itinerant bard gradually evolved into that of the blind guitarist. Pablo Picasso's great Spanish predecessor, Goya, was particularly fond of this motif and portrayed blind guitarists in a number of his paintings and prints. The theme was but one of several associated with Goya that the young Picasso would adopt and make his own. Picasso painted his masterful version, The Old Guitarist, now part of a collection at the Art Institute of Chicago, during the last weeks of 1903 or early 1904, a time that simultaneously marked the climax and the closing phase of Picasso's blue period. Picasso's blue style coincided with a period of restlessness in his young life, a time when he seemed almost as rootless as his itinerant guitarist. Between October 1900, when he celebrated his 19th birthday, and April 1904, he made four journeys from Barcelona, where his parents lived, to Paris, a city he evidently regarded as a kind of artistic mecca. Picasso created his first blue pictures during the course of his second and most extensive Paris stay, although he had initiated this visit on a note of zestful productivity he gradually became morosely preoccupied with the suicide of a friend. During the fall and winter of 1901 and 1902, Picasso gradually developed his full-blown blue style, abandoning the warmer colors of his palette to concentrate almost exclusively on shades of blue, enlivened by occasional touches of red or yellow-green. Concurrently, he renounced his rich Van Gogh-like brushwork to paint in thin, even strokes, reminiscent of the technique of Paul Gauguin, who would become an important influence during Picasso's blue period. The old guitarist is unique among Picasso's blue period works in showing the protagonist spiritually transported by his creative effort, rather than mired in hopeless passivity. This characteristic enhances the picture's effectiveness while simultaneously relieving us of yet another of those reproachful encounters so many of Picasso's other Blue Period characters seem to demand. The guitarist's creativity, like his blindness, encloses him in a protective cocoon. Transported by the beauty of his song, he dwells in a world apart, a state that surely mirrors the creative joy of the young artist himself. In order to emphasize the old man's self-containment and the power of his activity, Picasso has squeezed him into a pictorial format that seems too small to hold him. Should the guitarist ever unfold his legs or raise his head, he would burst the pictorial bounds that encase him. But like an obedient jack-in-the-box, he remains forever locked into the container in which his creator fitted him conveying a sensation of compressed energy. That from the essay, A Youthful Genius Confronts His Destiny by Mary Matthews Gado. 
we'll have a chance to learn more about Pablo Picasso's blue period and his rose period, and perhaps even get to feel on some level the compressed energy Picasso created on that old guitarist canvas in a documentary film titled Young Picasso that is part of the exhibition on screen series, part of the Winter Film Fest 2022 at the Dietrich Theater in Wyoming County in Tunkhannock, 21 films in 21 days. There are many different kinds of films on offer, and a good number of the movies are nominated for Academy Awards. We had a chance to speak with Ronnie Harvey, general theater manager and film booker at the Dietrich, about the challenges of putting together a film festival during the pandemic. It used to be a problem just in and of itself when it came to getting all of these movies, having having enough quality films out there. And then the pandemic happened, and then that made it even harder. We stayed open when we were allowed to, and we, we did everything, and we we saw the the fact that there were so few options. So we had to even dive even deeper into the recesses to find things that that made people want to come back. And very quickly, we learned that they would come back and they were hungry for the films, even though there is a world of content now. There's there's movies released all the time everywhere in theaters on platforms on this on that but there's still something about the curated nature of the whole thing there's something about these films seeming like they were picked specifically for a reason and they were they were i'm not going to say that they're not but i do do that i i look and i go here's this wide array of films and i'm going to close it down and get it to a point where these are the best of the best. And that's a remarkable and unusual occurrence, and I think it's something that we could scratch our heads about if we don't know your history, Ronnie, and the history of the Dietrich, because it would seem that a place in Wyoming County, Pennsylvania, might not be able to sustain something as intense as you bring to us each time. Yeah, that's what that, that's what sets us apart from other places. I mean... There are, you can go to a chain place and you can, you can find some of these films, but they're not, they, they don't get the love and attention that it seems they're getting. They just get thrown in the back theater in the back with a few show times and nobody will come and then they're gone. With this, it feels like they're getting their time to shine. And this is my favorite part about what I do is, is finding these films and giving them a home We know now that it's Academy Award nomination time and the Oscars are in the offing. And you have a remarkable number of films here that are nominated. Yeah, I don't know if it's like a a psychic ability or what it is. I mean, it's mostly just that I'm a prognosticator. I look and I see and I, I, I hear the rumblings about what's actually in the running, what's possible. But... This time it seemed like I got a lot more than I typically would. Even a little documentary that I had not anticipated wasn't even on the radar. Ooh, got it. And then another movie here that broke a record for being nominated in three different categories that a film has never been nominated in these ones. Oh, there it is. Like, <laughs> So yeah, I usually do have my finger on the pulse of what's popular. But this year, with the Oscars being a little bit later than they typically are, it, it gave a little bit more time. And when it comes to some of these movies, I like to point out that a few of these films, yes, 
are available at home on a specific platform. But a lot of people, one, don't have that specific platform. So those people are already out of the equation. And two, there's something about seeing them where they're meant to be seen. I know it might sound cliche, but it's true. There is something about seeing them with a group of people who are like-minded or experiencing the same thing, talking about it afterwards, laughing together. All of that emotional content is lost when you're sitting by yourself at home. So we should just plunge right in then since you talked about diving. (laughs) What are you proudest of? Well, my biggest achievement when you brought up the Oscars, my biggest thing is that four out of the five best actress nominees are in here. Four out of the five. And the only reason why the fifth one's not here is that it was released at a different time. So it wouldn't have worked out. But that that was on my radar for a different festival. That just didn't happen. But four out of the five are in this festival. One being the Ricardos, which obviously Nicole Kidman. It's a kind of an insider look at what was really going on behind the scenes of the I Love Lucy show and how they went through a tumultuous period. Were they the loving couple that everyone talked about? Were they were they perfect? No, no one is. And so this is kind of like a look behind the curtain and to see who they really were. And Nicole Kidman, by all measure, gives an astounding performance as Lucille Ball. So that's one. And then the second one is the lost daughter, Olivia Coleman. She's amazing always. This kind of connects to Parallel Mothers, which is Penelope Cruz. Both of these films deal in a different way about the relationship between mothers and daughters. Lost Daughter is Olivia Coleman. She is on a remote island on like a beach vacation. It becomes kind of entranced by another woman and her daughter and the relationship that they have. And she makes a decision that changes the dynamic between them. And it's all very like beachy, noiry kind of mystery around why she's so attached to them and what that means. And then Parallel Mothers with Penelope Cruz is about Penelope Cruz and another young woman are giving birth at the same time. Penelope Cruz's character is very excited to give birth and very excited for motherhood. The other woman is not so much. She's very, she's crying. She's upset. And so it's about the relationship that these two and how their parallel lives intersect at that one moment of giving birth and how they can change or adapt each other. And then number four, Kristen Stewart. I myself have already seen Spencer and Kristen Stewart dives into the role headfirst. And like, I have never, I thought I was looking at Princess Diana at certain points. So Spencer, let me start out by saying that it is a reimagining of what could have happened over a Christmas weekend with the entire royal family. So it's not necessarily true. There are true aspects of it and there are true characters within it. But it's the story of where her headspace was at right before she left him, right before everything all came to a head. But what's so surprising about Spencer is that it it doesn't shy away from being darker than what you would anticipate it being. People have this image of Princess Diana as the light and vibrant and beautiful. But beyond all that, she was going through a lot, dealing with the ramifications of being in the public eye. And we now know that ended in tragedy. But this is like showing where her head was at and what she wanted for herself, possibly, to get out of the situation. But I haven't seen the other ones, but I think she's got it in the bag. And that's just talking about the actress race. That's not even talking about all the Best Picture nominees. (laughs) 
Licorice Pizza, <laughs> The Power of the Dog. Yes, Licorice Pizza, Power of the Dog, Flea, Writing with Fire, Belfast. These are all films that are nominated in some way or another in the festival. Belfast is our other opening night film. It's directed by Kenneth Branagh, and it, it's kind of like his childhood story of him growing up in Belfast during the time of upheaval. And it's done in black and white, and it's done with this charming light <laughs> to it. It and stars Jamie Dorn and Judy Dench. The cast is phenomenal, and that's one of the Best Picture nominees. Power of the Dog is nominated for, I believe, 12. I think it's the one that leads the pack. Benedict Cumberbatch, Jesse Plemons, Kirsten Dunst. And it's the story of this rancher who's cantankerous is a word I could use for him, but I think he's a little more like it's a little more than cantankerous. It's kind of bitter and angry. And his brother comes with his new wife and he treats them miserably because he's jealous for some reason that we don't know about. He he holds this grudge against them, but it's this kind of dark, Western. And so that's also there. Everyone's talking about it. Licorice Pizza, nominated for a ton of stuff. It's by Paul Thomas Anderson, who did Magnolia, a bunch of really fabulous work. And it's in very short terms. It's about young love growing up in California. And it's kind of about filmmaking. And it's about, you know, all these wild characters. And it's about who you are as a child. And when you're growing up, it's coming of age story. And so licorice pizza i'm excited to find out exactly how that title even comes to pass to be quite honest (laughs) flea was nominated for best international film best animated film and best documentary so that's something that you usually don't see as animated documentaries but it's a history making in the sense that it was nominated for all three of those awards nothing has ever been nominated for those and so it it's the story of him kind of reenacting his escape from Afghanistan as a child refugee. And so he's telling you this story, but it's all being created for you in animation on the screen as he's telling this story. Not only that, but then he's going into being an Afghan refugee and then talking about coming out and then talking about telling his partner what he went through. And so he's giving you all of this but it's all done in this beautiful animation behind you. So it's something that is kind of groundbreaking in its own right. Is this the documentary that you selected and you didn't know that it was? No, I I knew that Flea was going to be in conversation. I didn't know it was going to get those ones. But the documentary that I didn't know was Writing with Fire. There, There is a weird, not weird, but there's a kind of through line in this festival that I see when it comes to Literature and journalism seem to play a role in this festival. And one of those films is Writing with Fire. And it's about a group of Dalit women who start their own newspaper. And it's this it's the story about how they are on the street doing award-winning journalism and fact-finding. And they're women in a society that might not necessarily want to hear what the women have to say. And so... That movie came out of nowhere and is now nominated for Best Documentary. And I had no idea it was going to (laughs) happen. But not only that through line happens in so many other places throughout the festival. Kurt Vonnegut is a it's a documentary that's been years, years in the making. The director of the documentary had originally planned on releasing the film prior to Vonnegut's death. 
He has been doing it for 30 years, I believe. It's been his life's mission. He's just been following around Kurt Vonnegut. And then, of course, Kurt Vonnegut died and he was unable to complete the work. So now he's completing it. And it's this the story about how the friendship that he, over the years has changed him and how his mission to finally get this documentary done. And that bestsellers and the French Dispatch are both also Fresh Dispatch is a funny Wes Anderson quirky take on the French Dispatch, a newspaper. And bestsellers is a film with Michael Caine and Aubrey Plaza. And it's about Aubrey Plaza inheriting this publishing company. It's going under and she's owed a book from the most prolific writer that they have. And he is this is where I could use the word cantankerous. He is a cantankerous man who does not want to do a book and does not want to do a book tour and is trying to hit her at all ends. And so it's a funny little story about finding each other, changing each other. And it's it's a it's a through line that I didn't see until after, you know, it got put down here. And I went, wow, why are books in literature? Ever? <laughs> like, why are we books in journalism here? Like, what's going on? <laughs> Because we do often ask you, what's the arc, Ronnie? Yeah, the so arc? the two arcs that I found were literature and journalism and then mother-daughter. You know, relationships between parental figures, because it's not always mothers. There's also uncles in here. There's there's more than just mothers and daughters, but there is a parental through line as well. Particularly important for our listenership is the art films. What you got for yes, us this time? absolutely. So... We kind of found our footing when it comes to the art films. We've got specific kinds of ones that people really enjoy, and they're the exhibition on screen. The exhibition on screen gives you a history lesson of a particular artist, but while that's happening, it's showing you an exhibit. Like, you are yourself in that exhibit. So this time, we have young Picasso. So it's giving you a look at what formed Picasso, what made him who he was. So you're getting a look at his earlier works. People seem to really love those movies because they get a chance if they did not get a chance to go to a museum exhibit. It's like they're going. It's like they're a part of that. And they, they, they those movies kind of linger, too. They kind of give you that feeling of being in a museum where you're standing there and it's not like it just shows you the artwork and then moves right along. It kind of meanders. It kind of stays there and lets you have your moment. It must be something that your audience enjoys because you often do music-based documentaries or films. Absolutely. Music is a huge part of the festivals now. And this time is like no other. We have a Brian Wilson documentary. It's called Brian Wilson Long Promise Road. And Obviously, Brian Wilson, the Beach Boys. We've done some Beach Boys films before. We've had, you know, a documentary that's about the Beach Boys and then a narrative film about Brian Wilson. But this is you're actually going on a drive with Brian Wilson and the director, the creator of the documentary. And it's it's kind of you're having like a personal just having a conversation with him. And he's declined and he's nervous in the in the film. And it's showing his nerves right before he's about to put on this big show again. And so you're able to kind of be a backseat driver. You're kind of in there, a passenger with them, having this conversation about the good old times, what happened, what the future, how he feels, you know, what he, he's dealing with. So that's another beautiful little story. 
We can't forget that we're in a building that houses a public television station, and public television viewers love Julia Child to this day. I know. That's the one I thought we would talk about first. Like, to be quite honest, I thought we would bring up Julia Child first. But yes, we have Julia, the documentary about, they say a thing in the trailer, which I could rebut it now, but at the time, I don't think you could rebut it would be like when anybody said the word Julia, you knew we were talking about Julia Child. I would rebut and say Julia Roberts. (laughs) That's another one. But at that time, Julia Child was the Julia. I remember personally myself even watching clips of her and thinking, wow, she is so strange, but intoxicating and interesting. And so this is like a deep dive with all the people talking about her impact on the culinary world because she was a woman that was gung-ho and take no prisoners, and did her own thing. (laughs) She was a character. It's the word. She was a character. And I'm really excited to see the movie. And so, Ronnie, you give us a chance to come together for a double feature on the opening night. Yeah, so Friday night, doors open at 6 o'clock, and you get wine and beer from Nimble Hill. We have our own little curated snack box for the film, plus a little thing of popcorn to have. Then you will watch Belfast. And then in the middle of that, you come out and you get a special cupcake dessert. There are three different kinds. I'm not divulging what the kinds are, but they are there from Sweet Indulgence, a local bakery shop. And then you will watch the second film being the Ricardos. There are still tickets available or you could possibly get them at the door. But you can call the number on the brochure, 836-1022, extension 3, to get tickets. And say the operative phrase. There are 21 films in 21 days. So there are ample times to see they're spread out. Sometimes there's two movies showing at the same time. We're open all day, every day through the festival. So there's a chance to see any movie that you that you want. There are plenty of showtimes for everything. So you can pick up a brochure. The ticket booth or go on our website. Our website, djictheater.com, will have all the information for all the films and showtimes. Twenty-one films in twenty-one days at the Dietrich Theater for Winter Festival 2022. Opening night this Friday, February 18th. Doors open at 6. It's a double feature, Belfast, and then being the Ricardos with wonderful refreshments as part of the experience. The festival in full force, Saturday, February 19th, the second week, Friday, February 25th, and continuing to Thursday, March 10th. 21 films in 21 days at the Dietrich Theater. And for more information, dietrichtheater.com. D-I-E-T-R-I-C-H. Theater is T-H-E-A-T-E-R. dietrichtheater.com. And the theater is located at 60 East Tioga Street in downtown Tuncanic.